0: Do you feel like you've been running from the sins of your past your whole life? Do you feel like you've moved beyond them and all of a sudden somebody will say something that will bring back those feelings of shame and guilt? You don't have to feel that anymore. Today on the Tower Hill Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast of Tower Hill Church, a church for all generations. This is Pastor Jason Wherever you are listening and however you are listening, I pray that you are blessed today. It is a beautiful sunny day here in the great state of New Jersey, which uh, is amazing. It's actually spring weather today. The flowers are out. It's like 70 degrees We only get like a few days like this a year, it feels like. So if you're listening, uh, I hope that you're enjoying this outside, doing something fun, or taking a break from work. Get outside, get that cup of coffee. Um, Man, uh, it's a wonderful day. Well, today we are continuing with our uh, sermon series called Starting Point. This, of course, is based on Andy Stanley's a small group, very popular small group series called of the same name. And if you, uh, we've done Starting Point in our church, and we absolutely love it. I would definitely recommend it. Um, you could go to North Point Church. They have a an online store, and you can get the Starting Point uh, curriculum. Um, it really works great. It, it's really a beginning step for people in the life of your church to start asking and talking about these questions of faith and covering kind of, kind of the basics of the Christian faith, which is helpful even no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, it's really helpful to hear those basics. Again, we're probably going to offer another starting point class once we get to the fall. So uh, if you live in the area, we'd love to have you come and be a part of that class. Well, before we jump into our next episode in this sermon series, um, just want to invite you if you're listening in real time, we have a big fundraiser coming up for our teenagers and, um, it's going to take a village to get, to send them on their way this summer. Our kids are amazing and they're doing two different trips. So there's one group, uh, which is our, our senior, uh, bell choir. They're going to be doing some traveling and on their bell tour every year they, they play, uh, they perform, but they also get involved in the community where they are performing. And, um, so sometimes they'll go and they'll work at, uh, like a boys and girls club or, a uh, a place that has special needs kids that they will work at. So it's a really cool ministry. And then our other trip that we do is a youth mission trip. This year, we're going to Camillus, New York, and they're going to join about 400 teenagers from across the country to repair something in the neighborhood of 70 homes in a week, which is awesome. So our kids are excited, but it costs money to go on both of these trips. So we thought it'd be fun to do a fundraiser. That's right. Pun intended. Pun intended. Uh, a, f- a fundraiser that is going to help send these kids on their way. It's going to be great. But it's it's Saturday, May 19th, and it's going to be at 5 p.m., 5 to 7. There's going to be gift baskets uh, that we're going to raffle off. Um, there's going to be uh, some appetizers. There's going to be some live music. Also, bring your little ones because the kids who are going on our trips are going to do some face painting and some fun games with those kids too. We hope it'll be fun for the whole family and it's really supporting an amazing mission of this church. So our goal is to raise a total of $10,000 and we hope that uh, you could come and be a part of us achieving that goal because we want to be able to send these kids without too much out-of-pocket cost for them. So I uh, hope you'll join us. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into this week's uh, Starting Point series message, and it's all talking about uh, the sins of the past, and how can you break free from that debt of sin that you owe. All right, here we go. Have a great week, everyone. We are well into our series on Starting Point, and if you've missed any of it, you can always check it out on our podcast you find that by simply going to our website, TowerHillChurch.org, get all caught up, and uh, hear all of the episodes in this series. The premise is, though, pretty easy to get your head around, and that is everything has a starting point, including your faith. Now, as children, we had a certain starting point. Maybe your parents taught you about faith, maybe you went to church, maybe you went to Sunday school, or whatever it was, you had some kind of conception or framework of God. But then the problem is, life happens. And you start wondering, wait a second, I thought God was good. I thought God always answers prayer. I thought God, I thought God, I thought God. And you get in with your life and you're like, I'm not seeing that. And for a lot of people, this is a faith crisis. And they end up walking away from their faith. But the problem wasn't the faith. The problem was that they were living an adult life with a childhood faith. I know Jesus says, you know, faith like a child, but that sense of wonder and complete trust is, is different than the kind of faith like a child that most of us had when we were growing up. The adult starting point of faith is necessary or, or Jesus is never going to be big enough. So we start that adult starting point with faith. It doesn't start with necessarily why the Bible's true. It starts with a different kind of question. It starts with a question that says, who is Jesus? Why is that so important? This is huge. I've met so many people, and I'm going to admit to you, I at one time was one of them, who looked at the Old Testament especially. And I'm like, I don't know, Adam and Eve, I don't know, Jonah and the fish, I don't know, the flood and the ark and the and, and it derails you before you ever get started. Because nah, I don't know. Like, you know. What about evolution and creation? I don't know what I think and all this other thing. Because it makes you think like if you believe in science at all, somehow you're not allowed to have faith. That they're mutually exclusive. When actually I always found it to be the opposite. I have absolutely no problem with science. I think science is awesome. They make a scientific discovery, and I'm like, okay, cool. It explains a little more about how God did it. What's the crisis? That's how it works. Excuse me. But for a lot of people, they look at that, and they start with that. And you know what I mean, because maybe you had a pact with yourself or with God that I'm going to read the whole Bible, and you start with Genesis 1. Big mistake. I bet most of us have read Genesis like 400 times. We never get any further. (laughs) It's like, okay, uh uh-huh, and then someone begat someone, and then I'm very confused. And I'll go go set it aside for a while. That's why it's so important. Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus because that's the most important thing. If you can answer the question, who is Jesus, all the other pieces of your faith are going to fall into place. Your understanding of the Old Testament, all of it. It's all going to make sense to you, but it won't make sense until you answer that question, who is Jesus? And so that's what this sermon series is about. And it really boils down to, uh, as we've been talking about this problem of sin, that sin follows us. It seems like wherever we go, our past sin shows up in our present. And this is true, even if you're living, if you consider yourself you know, a strong follower of Jesus Christ, you still have these moments where you'll be in a situation, you'll be reminded of, of a mistake or a sin that you committed in the past. And it'll come right back in front of your face. And you'll relive all those emotions all over again. And you'll feel guilt and you'll feel shame. And then what can happen in those moments is it just paralyzes you. And you're not able to move forward at all. You're just stuck. Sin has a nasty habit of showing up. Not just in sins that we commit, but past sins. Sins that we thought were were long and forgotten and buried. And sometimes though, it's worse than that we try to outrun our sins. Instead of running to Jesus, we try to outrun our sins. And they always catch us. Maybe you've tried. I know a lot of people, they try drinking their sins away. They try busying their sins away. They even try churching their sins away. It doesn't work because he can't outrun him. Even though we try, I was thinking about this. I was spent the last couple of days in Los Angeles visiting uh, with the Tucker side of the family. Grandfather turned ninety, and we were all gathered for his ninetieth birthday. And um, so I was thinking a lot about my upbringing in California. And thinking about why we moved in the first place. And I can look with hindsight as an adult now and understand that we had a lot of reasons we said we moved. But it was really about my dad and mom feeling like their marriage was on the rocks and they needed a new start. And so they decided, well, let's just move our sins away. Let's just go to the other side of the country. Let's go to Pennsylvania, which was a little different than Los Angeles. Let's go there. Because then we'll start over and everything will ju- be just great and we're going to have this new start. No, because they never dealt with the sins of the past. They just tried to outrun them and they caught up in a big way. You probably know what I'm talking about. You might have had an experience like that before. But what we learn is that I think we get this punitive vision of God in our head, that God's ready to, like, throw that hammer down and judge. And that sin is all about sort of avoiding God's judgment. It is, but I think from the other side of it, I think God, it's not that he's needy and needs something from us. Rather, he wants something for us. He wants us to live a life that's different, that's not just pummeled by our past mistakes pummeled by our sin he wants us to stop running it's so exhausting isn't it exhausting trying to run from your sin trying to run from God trying to run and chase all these things that you think are going to make you happy and they never do they do for a little bit and then it comes back worse what if you could stop the running what if you could experience freedom real freedom from sin I think that's why God wants to tell us and help us answer the question, who is Jesus? It's a forgiveness issue. And here's the thing. You can't forgive your own debt, right? We owe a debt because of sin. We owe a debt to God. And that's just not how debt works, right? You don't just forgive your own debt. That would be awesome. Like with student loans. Wouldn't that be great? Have you ever had a student loan? Currently have student loans. Yeah. Aren't they fun? They're so fun. They're like a chain. <laughs> There's a chain around you. And I'm convinced I'm going to pay them till I'm dead. But student loans, man, they're the worst. And this is true with all debt, right? When you were in debt, it is a soul crusher. And some of you have been able to enjoy the freedom from debt and you know what I'm talking about because you experience experienced joy and freedom. A lot like you got these chains around your ankles. That's what debt's like. And boy, don't the student loan servicing companies know it. They know how badly you want to get out of that debt, so they call you. Mr. Tucker, did you hear about our debt forgiveness program? Your student loan may be forgiven if you qualify. Okay, I'll bite. Do I qualify? Well, just give us all your information. Yeah, no. But, but of course, I, I don't qualify, so I don't get the, the debt cancellation. And I feel like there's a spiritual component of this, right? Like we have this spiritual debt that we owe, and yet most faith traditions say, yeah, but you don't qualify. You don't get the forgiveness plan. You get the debt reduction plan. So if you work hard enough and take these steps, you can experience a debt reduction. In fact, every faith tradition has a debt reduction plan, but only one has a debt forgiveness plan in Jesus Christ. Think about it. Google it. Other religions. This is exactly what it is. It's all about you paying off a debt. And maybe you can reduce the amount you owe. Five simple steps, if you qualify. And if you qualify, maybe you could work it down so that someday you could be in the presence of God. When that's not the Christian faith at all. It's it's not about what you do at all. Your debt's been forgiven because of what Jesus did. Forgiveness is really the theme of this whole thing how does why do we need forgiveness what's the problem of sin how do we get it how do we move forward and as you know the old testament system was all about well how do we get forgiveness well we have to do a bunch of sacrifices and the sacrifice don't last long we kill a lamb and then like we got to go kill another one because we sinned since that last one it was only temporary at best And so even the, the baptism, as we know baptism today, there was baptism in Jesus' time, but it was totally different. It was totally different. The whole idea of ritual cleaning was part of the Jewish culture. But not really baptism as we knew it. But let's talk about that for a minute, because this leads the way to the debt forgiveness plan. Let's talk about baptism. So, uh, in Jewish culture, it was all about ritual cleansing. And if you've been here with us a a couple of years, you've seen me talk about this before. But in Jerusalem, they have found, they've excavated parts of it. They found mikveh, something called a mikvah. And uh, this is something that they would have in their home, Jewish folks would have in their homes. And it was for ritual cleansing. So, you know, it's sort of like the size of a hot tub, sands, the jets, and heat. But you know it's like about that size and you know and they'd kind of they'd go down into it they would ritually be cleansed and then they would be able to go uh, offer sacrifice be part of the Jewish feast and festival it was a way of them being cleansed now there were some rules about a mikveh uh in that it couldn't be stagnant water that that wouldn't do the trick it had to come from a flowing source and the more flowing the water the better in other words, if you took water from a river, that's better than water from a spring-fed lake, so to speak. It's about the movement of the water, which they called living water. Funny how Jesus says he is the living water. They called it living water. So, um, But if you didn't have a mikvah in your home and you're coming to Jerusalem for a big feast, there were public mikvahs that they had, like the Pool of Siloam. They have found the Pool of Siloam, which is in Scripture, Um, that's one of the areas where you can come gather and be ritually cleansed. This is where baptism kind of got its origins. Baptism was also used when somebody was converting uh, to become a Jew. But it, it wasn't like we think of it now. Usually, you didn't baptize somebody else. Because they would say, well, who are you? Like, how are you holier that you are baptizing somebody? They'd be like, no, no, you go and you individually become ritually cleansed. So that's why when John the Baptist was baptizing out in the Jordan River, they had no idea what was going on and people were flocking to see him. You know, that place traditionally where John was baptizing was a day's walk from Jerusalem and crowds were coming out to him and it wasn't long before the religious leaders were like, whoa, what's this all about? What's this guy doing? Who does he think he is? He's probably some nut job. I've heard stories about this guy. He's eating locusts and honey. Dressed in animal skin. Dude's out there. Let's go make sure he's not out of bounds. (laughs) Thinking that he's somebody who he's not. And that's where we jump in to our scripture today. John chapter 1 beginning in verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. All right. Good answer. Check. Not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Now, listen, they obviously didn't think he was the Messiah or Elijah or prophet. They're trying to see if he's crazy. Does he really think he's one of these things? No. Okay, okay, then who are you? Why are you doing this? This is weird. Why are you baptizing people? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John's baptizing in preparation for something. He is helping people understand the connection between being made ritually clean and being made spiritually clean by the Lamb of God. And he's totally playing on the fact that they understood that a lamb was for sacrifice so they could be forgiven. He's like, no, no, this is a different kind of baptism. Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Even that verb is, it literally means he takes the sin of the world and he picks it up and he carries it away. The ultimate Passover lamb. This all has to do with the forgiveness issue of Jesus Christ. Okay. So the Lamb of God, God's sacrifice, God's worldwide debt forgiveness plan. And this is what Jesus himself teaches us during the Last Supper. We're going to be sharing this today together. So we remember, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. When Jesus says this, he says something incredibly shocking. He he draws a connection between the people of the Old Testament and this new covenant. He says, this Passover meal where you celebrated That God spared you. He gave you life when you deserve death. He spared you and rescued you from the blood of the Lamb. That thing that you've been celebrating the last 1,500 years, guess what? It's about me. Do you know how shocking that would have been to hear? That alone could have gotten Jesus arrested back in his day. That would be like saying, me telling you, um, yeah, you know Christmas... It's really about my birthday. You've been doing it wrong. It's about my my birthday. That would have been crazy talk. Unless it is about you. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The ultimate Passover lamb. But they still didn't get it. In fact, we see the disciples, even right up to the end, trying to outrun their sin. Judas trying to outrun his sin. Catches up with them. Peter, all the disciples promising to be with Jesus to the very end and scattering. Imagine the burden that they felt knowing that they had sinned against the Lamb of God. I wonder if they felt that they were going to be cursed forever. Would there ever be forgiveness for that? But it was Paul who, 20 years later, put it absolutely perfectly, explaining what this all meant and how this made everyone clean. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. This is a good one. If you brought your Bible, I'd highlight this one. This is one to keep in the bookmark. He forgave us all our sins. Oh, here, I started too late. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Do you know what that means? It means your past sins no longer need to show up, In your present, that you can stop running from whatever you're running from and come to Jesus, that come as you are to Jesus and give him your life your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, everything. Your account is forgiven. You are made whole. You are paid in full. You are debt free. If you think financial debt is a burden, what about that spiritual debt? What if you could feel freedom from spiritual debt? Imagine the joy that you could live with. But I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, you're thinking, is this just another offer, like a student loan offer, and I don't qualify? Do I qualify? I don't know, pastor. I've kind of not been the best Christian. That's always cracks me up when people say, I'm not a very good Christian. Really? Welcome to the club. Because <laughs> we have a sin problem that needs forgiveness. Do I qualify? Well, here's the thing. Every other faith system will say, will say um, you can just take some steps and you can start earning your qualifications. And so therefore, not a lot of us qualify under that system. But only in Jesus Christ do you get, no, 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 it's not about qualifying. I'm forgiving your debt because of what I did. I nailed it. To the cross. Jesus is the one who says, It is finished. The work is over. You don't have to work so hard, you just have to receive what I have done. So, in our starting point journey, we're answering the question, who is Jesus? I think today this brings us to a couple of points. The first is understanding that Jesus is the one who did for you what you could not do. He carried away your sin. He picked up your sin and he carried it away. And then the second is this. He opened the prison door. So you can walk out. But man, and this is so important. Some of you put your faith in Jesus years ago, and you're still sitting in the cell, door wide open. Because you haven't trusted that He has freed you from those chains. You haven't trusted that your debt has been forgiven. You would say if somebody with an open door sat in their cell, they'd be crazy. Yep. I want to invite you today, as you physically come up to receive communion, that this is more than just a religious ritual. But it's a saying yes to Jesus all over again.